So, bait and switch today. You ready for it? I'm not supposed to tell you it was a bait and switch. Uh, it was not intentional necessarily. Megan's not going to be sharing with me today. I know, um, because, well, I'll tell you a couple of reasons why as we get into it, but she's serving in the nursery today um, with, uh, with the tiniest risen churchers, and she loves doing that and is happy to, to jump in there today, but also there's another reason once we get into this that um, there was a part in this. She and I had a long discussion, so she's not speaking in a microphone today, but she is sharing today uh, because we talked this out quite a bit, and uh, and and. The place where we ended up landing in this, whenever we get to the end, is a place where I would think it would be kind of clear. She was like, you know, Drew, I don't know if if we can really do that together, like if that's something we can both share and, and get it all out clearly because it's kind of a hard thing to explain and hard thing to, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there, all right? You good? All right, Fred. Everybody take a deep breath. Let's get into this. Um, I, I have to tell you, I do have to say this up front. I believe you chose the right last love song uh, to end the message series on. I like this sort of platonic friendship love song uh, to close things out on. Uh, but also, there was evidence of this because I was singing All You Need Is Love in my kitchen the other day. And I was just kind of trying to learn it real quick just in case. And I sang, All You Need Is Love. All You Need Is Love. And my daughter screams from the other room in melody, love is nothing, you need money to buy food. And that was it. Like, she just kind of cut it off right there. And uh, what a downer. And I don't know where that came from. That's not something she heard from me. Uh, It does sound like something Megan would teach her, though. Uh, But... uh, so we chose the right song, I guess, because Adeline's not buying that all you need is love thing. Anyways, um, uh, nor is the hippie, nor is the other hippie in our family, I'm guessing. So these three weeks are designed to, uh, to help you get the most out of your relationships that matter the most to you. It's not a marriage series. I'm not going to talk to you about your sex life. You're welcome. Uh, and uh, we're not going to get into really talking about marriage too much. Uh, it's not really just about marriage. Now, if you are married... I would assume that's probably one of the relationships in your life that matters the most to you, so it fits into this category. But really, we are talking more about friendship, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your best friends, the people that matter the most to you. And hopefully, hopefully, we're talking about some of the people in this room, the people that we're kind of sharing our life with, that we're walking through this thing uh, together, that we can, the ways that we can help each other um, out in this thing. There are three major temptations that exist in the relationships that matter the most to you. We've covered two of them. We've been looking at the temptations of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. The first one that we looked at in the first week was when Jesus is tempted to turn stones into bread, and we call that the temptation to allow small things to mess up big things. If you're in a relationship that matters at all, uh, I'm sure you have plenty of moments where you're like, these are the tiny little arguments that we have all of the time that do make us feel less like friends. These are the stupid things that we argue about, the tiny little character flaws I have, personality traits that I have that make it really difficult 
for them to love me well and for me to love them back. And, and, and so we hopefully learn from Jesus, like, let's, let's recognize what those things are. Let's call them what they are, not trade small things for the big thing that is our relationships that matter the most to us. The second week, we looked at when Jesus is tempted by the devil. The devil says, uh, all right, you won't turn stones into bread. Well, throw yourself off this building. It seems a little ridiculous, but he had a plan, right? The devil's plan was you'll say yes to the first thing. You'll be a little more likely to say yes to the second thing. But since you didn't say yes to the first thing, the second thing just sounds crazy. But that was the temptation, and we called that the temptation to test the limits of grace. Did any of you try really hard to not test the limits of grace in your relationships this week? Any of you kind of like, who just, you just laughing from the back of the room? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we talked about how when we're in a relationship with somebody that cares about us deeply, there's a tremendous amount of grace in those relationships. Can I get an amen from the wives in the room? <laughs> All right, I got one. Uh, but there's a tremendous amount of grace present, right? There's stuff that we just let people that we care about, we just let them get away with it. It's just part of it. It's just like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's part of it. He doesn't pick up his socks, right? She doesn't do whatever it is that she's supposed to do. I don't know. She doesn't have any lists in my house. There's nothing that Megan is expected to do. She can do whatever she wants. Any, I'm just <laughs> right? There are these little things, and we have so much grace for each other, but that grace has limitations, you're not married to God. Your best friend did not die for the sins of all mankind, saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. Your friendships, the people that you care about, they have limits. They have, there, are, there are lines that once you cross them, you may damage the relationship irreparably. You, you may cross certain lines where you test the limits of grace and you find the limit of grace. And so we talked about how it's really important in relationships that we care about that we're like, why would I do that to people that I love? Why would I test their limits? I know I can get away with some of this stuff, even though they don't want me to. Why would I do that to people that I care about, though? Uh, and then today, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. The next temptation is this. It says, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I will give it all to you. Now, let's assume for a moment that what the devil is offering Jesus here is actually his to offer. Is it? I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works. I don't know who's in possession of all of these things. I don't know if the devil actually can do this. Um, he's, he's spoken of in the scriptures as the father of all lies. The tr telling the truth isn't exactly his game. But let's assume that it is. Let's assume that what he's offering here is his to offer. Let's just say he's saying Jesus I will give all of this to you, and he can, okay? So that kind of makes the temptation, you can have what I'm offering. Then he said, you can have all of these things, I will give it all to you, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. <laughs> that's, that's how I assume he said, get out of here, Satan. Um, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So the actual temptation that Jesus faces here, and this is going to be the first couple of blanks in your sermon notes, the, the temptation is, is not a desire to rule things. Because that's not exactly bad. It's not a desire to be in control. That's not exactly bad. It's not a desire for authority. That's not exactly the temptation. The temptation that Jesus is faced with here is to give your life to 
someone other than God. And that is the first set of blanks. And I can't remember if I, yeah, to give your life to someone other than God. And this is an, this is an important word in this message. To give your life to someone other than God. What does the devil say? If you want what I'm offering you here, you got to give your life to me. Bow down and worship me. Give yourself over to me. So um, we're going to tell a little story today that you're probably pretty familiar with, especially if you're a fan of the Grateful Dead. Um, and you'll, you'll get into, <laughs> yeah, so we got, we got a few in the room. I know you. I know you deadheads. Um, there's, a, there's a story about a couple of people. One of them is called Samson, and the other is called Delilah. And, uh, and I want us to look at this little love story, beautiful little love story uh, in the Old Testament, which the Old Testament's full of these beautiful little love stories. Um, and I want us to talk about how the temptation that Samson faces with Delilah is very similar to the temptation that Jesus faces in this desert here. So uh, are you familiar with the story? Do you know the story of Samson and Delilah? Uh, before I get into it, let me say two things. If you have any questions, you can text them here. I'll take some time at the end of this message, and we'll, we'll maybe sort out some things. This actual sermon notes may raise some questions for us too, so even once we get to that part, you might find like, okay, that's a, probably a thing to ask a question about. I'm also very, very thankful for any lighthearted questions that come in anytime. I want the serious ones and the ones that are like real questions, but also, you know, if you give me something fun and funny, we get to end on that and not real sad and dark and depressing stuff. Um, so if you think of, if, if I say something, you're like, there's a joke there and you missed it, Drew, shoot it to me and we'll, I won't miss it. That's what we, we have each other. Let's, let's do this together. Um, and then uh, the other thing I wanted to say is Callie in the back of the room is running these slides today and just crushing her first time back there just thrown to the wolves. And this is the kind of thing that we, we rarely acknowledge when it's going right. We like to look back and what went wrong, Callie? But it's going right. And so we're just saying thank you right now for that. All right, let's look at this. Judges chapter 16. If you're not really a Bible person, um, and if you, if, especially if the Old Testament makes you nervous and there's stories, uh, you know, I just got to tell you, the book of Judges that is some crazy stuff, okay? You are really missing out. Now, it is not a book that you read and you're like, okay, now here's how I'm going to live my life. I will drive a stake through the brain of my enemies, right? Because that actually happens in there at one point. It's not really that. The Judges is full of lessons of how not to do it, right? you got to remember the whole Bible is not about the whole Bible. The whole Bible is about Jesus. Jesus has to show up and say that whole driving stakes through people's brains it's not God's way. Believe it or not, that is not God's intention. That was that was your what you guys thought was the right thing, and you were wrong. Uh, that's not. And so they killed him, right? They they put him up on a tree. But anyways, that that's another story for another day. But the message of the Bible is Jesus. Is hey, this stuff doesn't work, but it's fun to read. Uh, it's some crazy stuff that happened. Samson and Delilah. Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of. Sorek, the rulers of the Philistines, went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong. He's the strongest guy who ever lived. He murders Philistines like crazy. Every time they go to battle, he'll just pick up the bone of an animal and just murder people like crazy. He's really, really strong. He can't be stopped. And he has this special superpower within him, and they're trying to figure out what it is. These people said, find out how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. And then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver 
That is worth, I don't know what it's worth. It's a lot, right? It's worth a lot of money. We don't even know how many people are standing here saying, we'll each give you that much, but it's a whole lot of money. They're saying 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Now, there's an obvious joke to be made here, but I told you I wasn't going to talk about your sex life, so we'll just move on to verse 7. Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven bowstrings that have not yet been... Dr- Did I offend anybody with that joke? Uh, I would... <laughs> I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings. Are you, do you remember this story? Is this ringing some bells for you? It's a crazy story. She says, what would it take to tie you up securely so that you could be captured? And he's like, oh, you know, bowstrings. And then she ties him up in bowstrings. She hid some men in her room and in her house, and then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. After she tied him up with the thing that he told her would keep her, uh, would keep him from being able to attack them or, or, or defend himself. But Samson snapped the bowstrings like a piece of string snaps, and they burned in the fire. Uh, and then, uh, so the secret of his strength was not discovered. So obviously, Samson, this is not the Bible. I'm just going to tell you what you probably would assume happens next. Obviously, he realized that he had let himself get a little too close to this girl. Right? So he packed up his things and he left like any smart person would do, right? I thought we were going to have like a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing, like I'm from one tribe, she's from another, but we're going to make it work anyways. Turns out we got more of a fatal attraction kind of thing. She's no bueno. I'm going to move on, all right? I'm going to go back home and find somebody from my own tribe, and, and that'll probably be better because this tribe wants to kill me, right? Afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me how you can actually be tied up securely. And Samson replied, well, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him up with them. Come on, people. The men were hiding in the house as they were before, and Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. I don't know what happened. They just got into the house right after I tied you up with the thing that you told me. I don't know what's happening here. But again, Samson snapped them, uh, the, ropes from his head like they were thre- the ropes from his arm like they were thread, and Delilah said, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. And Samson replied, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. Whatever all that means. It just sounds like he's trying to get a makeover now. He's like, you know, braid my hair. Uh, So while he slept, Delilah did that. Three times now, right? That he's been like, "What, what do you have to, what do I have to do? What do I have to do if I want to secure you? What do I have to do if I want to make you incapable? And three times these people come in, and the same thing happens here again. He has his, his hair braided into a loom, and they come in, and he pulls his hair out of the loom, and he kills these guys or runs them out again, and he's so totally safe again, and she gets upset again. Um, how can you tell me I love you? <laughs> How can you tell me I love you when you won't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now. And you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. 
She tormented him. This is not me, okay? This is what it actually says. New Living Translation of the Bible, Judges chapter 16, verse 16. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Verse 17, finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut. He confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Now, that's what she does. She cuts off all of his hair. He loses his strength. He's taken. uh, They gouge out his eyes. He becomes a slave to the Philistine people. I told you, judges is just gross. Uh, It's gross. Uh, But that's what happens. He, He lives the rest of his life blind. His hair eventually grows back, and he prays to God to give him um, one more bout of strength. He's like, because if I had my way, I would tear this old building down. Right? That's the Grateful Dead reference there. It's about Samson and Delilah. It's called Samson and Delilah. Uh, it'll tell you the whole story probably a more fun way than I just told you. Uh, but this is, what, this is how the story ends, right? With him get telling her. And, and it's, it's fun. And this is the way that I've kind of told the story before. It's kind of the way I've always interacted with this particular passage of Scripture to think of Samson as this big, dumb lunk of a human who just like, do you not see what's happening here? Is that the way that we kind of, I mean, maybe that's the way that you would traditionally think of the story. It's like, does he not understand what, ha- why would he tell her these things? Does he not see that she's toxic? Does he not see that she's, she has no, no, no good in mind for him? She's not just asking for secrets because she wants to know him and be known by him. She's asking for secrets so that she can kill him. She is not who he thinks she is. But I don't think that's what's happening. I don't think that Samson is actually just that dumb. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't think that Samson is actually just that far removed. I don't think he's actually like, I don't, maybe she really does love me. Maybe that. I think what's happening to him is that he has decided to give his life to this other person. at all costs. I think he has fallen truly, madly, deeply in love with someone to the extent that he has left his family, he has left all of his other possessions and all of his, all of his life, he's left his career, he's left everything that he ever hoped to be in this life. He's left his God, his, his covenant with God was his, to not cut his hair. That was a Nazarite vow that a lot of people um, would have taken in these days as a, devotion, a sign of devotion to God. He's left all of that because he has given his life to someone other than, he says, well, if that's what she wants, then that's what it'll be. If that's who she wants me to be, then that's who I'll be. If that's what she wants to do with me, then that's what she'll do with me. I don't think he's naive to what's happening here. I think this is what happens when we give ourselves away to another person. He does know what she's up to. He has to. By this point in the story, Samson is quite simply making a choice to put his love for this girl ahead of every other priority in his life. He decides to give himself to her for better or probably worse. And if that sounds ridiculous, like who would do that? (laughs) Why would anybody ever do that? 
I think maybe we should spend a little, a couple of minutes here to close out this series and to close out what this actually means for us and what we should do with it. I suggest to you that the temptation that Jesus faces in the desert and the temptation that Samson faces with Delilah are really, really similar. They're both being tempted to give their life, to give themselves away over to someone other than God. But Drew, I thought that's what love was. Is anybody feeling that yet? That's okay. It's like I thought it was. I thought love was giving yourself to someone for better or what. I thought it was giving yourself away to somebody else. But I would just say this: that giving yourself away to someone and giving yourself away for someone are two very, very different things, right? Giving yourself away to someone and giving yourself away for someone are different things. Because when you give yourself away to someone else, you are changing whose you are. Is that connected all? You are changing who you belong to. You are changing possession. You are like, I used to belong to me and God, and now I belong to another person. And if they decide they want to do this to me, if they decide they want this for me, if they decide they want, then so be it. This is what kind of happens here. So I want us to take a look at a couple of things. This is a matter of who you belong to. And it's essentially that are we seeing the connection of these temptations? And this is a temptation constant throughout the scriptures. And I will get into in just a moment the conversation that my wife and I had. We discovered something that she and I both kind of believed and even have said in this message series that, um, that needed addressed. And we need to just kind of talk about and think about, like, well, what is that? What are we supposed to do then? How, how do we love each other? How do we live in this kind of connection? So hopefully we can give you... Um, um, that in this. So let's look at your sermon notes. The relationships that matter the most to you are tricky. Um, when you give yourself away to someone else, the first thing that happens that I think is can be dangerous is this. You can start to become less like you and more like them. Has anybody else ever seen this happen? I mean, not to you, obviously. It's never happened to you. But have you ever seen it happen to other people? Because I wouldn't change for nobody else. I wouldn't change for the friends around me. I wouldn't change for a girl, but I, all my friends did once. <laughs> they started dressing that like that. They started listening to that music. They start, they start walking that walk, right? You, we change into, right? When you give yourself away to someone, this is kind of a sign to know, have I given myself to someone? Is Am I becoming more like them? And less like me. And this is a dangerous thing that can begin to happen. Um, There's a good reason maybe to consider why we shouldn't necessarily do this. The second thing that happens, and these are really obvious and straightforward. They're just kind of a, when you give yourself away to someone else, you take yourself away from others. One of the things that happens whenever you give yourself to, and again, this serves both as a sign of like, am I giving myself to my boss, my work, my whatever? Am I giving myself to my relationships? Am I giving myself to that friendship in a way when, I, when really like giving myself away for them is different, but we'll get to that in just a second. One of the signs of it and one of the bad negative side effects of giving yourself away to someone is you take yourself away from others. When we have given ourselves to someone in a relationship, we start to see all other relationships suffer. One of the main reasons that in this message series we did not want to make it about marriage is because one of the things that Megan and I have discovered in our lives is 
the church in particular has a way of romanticizing and turning the, the institution of marriage into some sort of holy thing unto God, and it is supposed to be above all other things, and it actually can become a, a, it can become a bubble that we kind of get sucked into and leave all other relationships. It can become a thing where it's like, well, I do serve other people. I serve my wife and my kids. I do love other people. I love my wife and my kids. And the idea really of the scriptures, and especially the way that marriage is talked about in the New Testament, is that marriage, the marriage, a family unit like that should make you more effective in the help of your community. It should actually, my, my marriage to my wife shouldn't take me away from other people. It should actually be a partnership that she and I are in that makes us more useful to other people, that makes us more helpful to other people. But when you give yourself away to someone, you start to lose yourself a little bit and you take yourself away from others. Making sense? Doing a lot of preposition work up here today. Um, but, but hopefully we're, we're kind of clicking a little bit, and hopefully it's also connecting the dots for like, yeah, that has happened to me before. That has happened to people that I care about before. I, didn't, I couldn't put a finger on what was happening, but I just know that, that he stopped coming to Thanksgiving when he started dating. You know what I mean? Like she stopped, uh, call, she stopped returning my calls uh, whenever she got with, with, with them, right? That, that was the, that, that's kind of what we're getting at here. And then the third thing, and this is where, you know, hopefully this gets super clear and why it matters the most and why we're not trying to, I'm not trying to say you shouldn't be surrendered and submitted to each other. That's a command of the New Testament is that we would actually submit to each other, not only in marriage, but in communities like this and in friendships. But it's this, it's that you're not giving, that says two, but it's three. That's not Callie's fault. That's my fault. She doesn't put the numbers on it back there. Uh, it's just, this is number three. You're not giving them the best you. When you give yourself away to someone else, even though it can kind of feel like it, can I use a really, really cliche example to clarify a little bit? This is terrible. It happens to be a cliche that is true for us. I know it's not true for everybody. I know that. I'm not suggesting that it is or that it should be. If I were to give myself away to my wife completely, give myself to her completely, then my day-to-day -day life would mostly look like me going to her and saying, what should I do today? And it would mostly boil down to me helping her do the things that matter the most to her. It would mostly boil down to, you know, keeping the house good, keeping the kids healthy, making the food for us, co connecting with you guys and handling some of, like, uh, she, she handles the finances of Risen Church and she handles uh, the scheduling of the teams and stuff like that. If I gave myself away to her, then I would become sort of a slave unto the things that she is doing with her life. Now, that sounds good to some of us, right? We're like, well, yeah, that'd be great. You'd be a super supportive and helpful husband, right? Except then I would not be uh, booking music and making a living, right? <laughs> then I would not be writing messages, which is a big part of what I do here at Risen Church. I would not be connecting with the people that I'm supposed to connect with and the people that I have more of a, an intimate relationship with in the church community than she does. I, do you understand what I'm saying? Eventually, 
Although it sounds like a good idea. It's like you're giving yourself away to your, you ask your wife every day, like, what can I do for you? And then you just do that stuff. It's like, that sounds like a good idea for a little while until you start to realize I would not be giving my best self to my family at that point. Eventually, I would, that has a, there's a point of diminishing returns on what that would do to a relationship. Because eventually, and, and on the flip side of that, if she gave herself to me completely, she would just be a sort of creative partner in all the things that I'm creating. She would, she would go out and, and book gigs for me. She would go out and do all of those things. And then, you know, nobody would be balancing the checkbooks of Risen Church. Nobody would be scheduling the people who need to serve in the various roles that we have in here. Nobody would be connecting personally with the people that she connects with personally more so than I do. And the house would fall apart, right? And the kids would be sick all the time. And we would eat mac and cheese and scrambled eggs constantly like that's all that's all I ever ate before we got married anyways I'd probably just revert to that I'd go straight back do you understand what I'm saying giving yourself away to someone else and this goes both ways I'm trying to help us see that like don't do that and also don't don't give yourself away to give the best version of you for your relationship I'm saying both sides. Don't give yourself away in that way, but also don't demand that of the people that you care about the most either. Make sure that you're paying attention to the idea that like his job is not to be my slave. Her job is not to do everything I want her to do. Good? <laughs> don't you get giggly back there. <laughs> you're not giving... <laughs> When you give yourself away to, when you give yourself away to, you're not giving them the best you. And it's counterintuitive. It does sound like what we want, but it's not what we want. We start to slowly lose ourselves. We start to allow someone else to tell us who we are. When we change our possession, when we change whose we are, we start to give myself, I start to give myself away to, and this is the preacher part of this, I start to give myself away to any friendship, any relationship, I'm slowly changing my relationship with God. Because if I'm his first, then he teaches me how to give my life away for the people in my life. I am the best husband when I give myself totally, when I devote myself totally to my heavenly father because he makes me humble and kind. He makes me want to serve. He makes me want to show up in the ways that I'm supposed to show up. He makes me want to be present. He makes me want to leave my cell phone in the other room when I'm playing Monopoly with the kids, right? He, when I surrender myself to my heavenly father, the one who actually, he distributes the wealth very evenly and wisely, Right? If I gave myself to my kids, they would demand things of me that wouldn't be the best version of me. And this can happen. I got a six-year-old who would tell me what to do every single day if she could, right? She knows what I'm supposed to do with my life. She doesn't know that everything would fall apart if I did what she wanted me to do. But I can also rest in the idea that when I surrender myself, and this is the thing that, you know, it came up, I think I said it in the first week, um, and Megan said it in the second week, and it wasn't like she heard it from me. It was like we both just heard this ingrained in us. Our most important relationship is to God, and then my marriage is my second most important relationship, right? We had a conversation where I was like, do you believe that, though? Is that a, is that a real thing that we actually, you know, how is that manifested? Is, is that actually true? Do you spend more time with God than you spend with me? 
Do you do more things that God asks you to do than the things I ask you to do? Do you do more things to please God than to please me? Is that actually true? Um, and, and so this conversation sort of led us to the point where we, you know, she's in the nursery today. That's, uh, <laughs> that, that's, where it, that's where it took us, is to sort of consider, I think this is how we resolve that tension a little bit. I think this is how we start, what we mean by that and what we meant by saying that, I think is something we 100% believe. It is not, and this is the dangerous part of it, it is not a... It is not a commissioning for us to be more religious than we are relational. It is not a commissioning that, like, I can't talk to you guys because I have to talk to God. I can't be present with you because I have to be present with Jesus right now. It is actually a giving ourselves away to our Heavenly Father for the good of our relationships. And hopefully that um, gives a little bit of clarity. I've got lots of questions that came in. I asked for them, and I got them. Somebody, you know, just a, this is a great one just to jump in with. It's not a question. It's just a great thing to consider and to recognize all you need is love. Beatles works great if you equate God with love. If you actually believe that God is love, well, then all you need is love. All you need is love. Love is nothing. You need money for food, right? It, it does actually work if we consider God is love and, and all I need is this relationship with God who, again, who does not demand religious devotion from me to the point where I disconnect from the world all around me. He doesn't demand it. He actually teaches me the best way to be human. He actually teaches me the better life, that when I'm surrendered to all I need is the God who loves me so much and loves the world so much that when I give myself away to him, he makes me better at my work. He makes me a better person. He gives me a better life, and he makes me better at life. Uh, so the song works. Good job, John Lennon, McCartney. I don't know. Who did that one? George Harrison, probably not. <laughs> Let's be honest, people. There's no, there's no rhinoceroses singing in the background of that one. Uh, does it work? Uh, why am I doing this? I'm reading out loud. I shouldn't do that. Does it work in a positive way for notes number one and two, write this, you start to become less like you and more like them, and you take yourself away from others? Does it work in a positive way if the person is Jesus, if God is the one that we give ourselves away to? I think that is the flip of the, that is the, the flippity flop of this whole message. If you wrote them down, you can see them in your sermon notes now. Yeah, when you give yourself away to someone else, if that someone else that you're giving yourself away to is your heavenly father, then yeah, I think it starts to work. I'll start to become more like Jesus than I am like me, that'd probably be a good thing. That'd probably be really useful in my life. I don't want to become more like my wife than I am like me. We need to be different. We need to care. I don't want to become more like my kids than I am like me, but, become, but if I'm giving myself away to my Heavenly Father to become more like Him, yeah, that, that's a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, you guys good? You feel good? It's cold in here, isn't it? I'm trying to freeze us out and keep you awake. Everybody looks more alert today. I think it's working. Good job, guys. <laughs> Wes. Everybody look at Wes. <laughs> We've all given ourselves away to Wes today. <laughs> 
If becoming like our spouse or significant other or our friends, if becoming like those people is difficult to avoid, how can we find healthy boundaries, stay connected? Um, is that a, does that question make sense? To keep ourselves connected in our relationship with God. That's such a difficult thing to avoid. It absolutely is. To give myself away to others is a temptation. It's constant. It's like you do have these relationships where it's kind of like, if I don't say yes, you know, I mean, it's finding this balance, these boundaries of like, if I don't say yes, sometimes I'm testing the limits of grace. Like that's sermon number two. We're on sermon number three now. We're past that. That was last week. Um, so we just got to move on. How, how do we find these boundaries? How do we get to the point where we can actually maintain healthy relationships with people without becoming too much like them, without giving ourselves... Is that the question? I mean, that is the question of the day. You've, you've just... Someone has articulated the, the question of this sermon into a texted-in question. And I, I hope, I hope that we recognize that what we do when we gather here, a really practical thing, what we do when we... If we give to Risen Church or if we give of our finances generously to anyone in our lives, any, any space that we do that and we, as an act of devotion to God, any of the ways that we worship, any of the times that we are like, you know what, I need to, here's, here's where religion can meet our relationships. For me to say, I need to get up a little earlier than the rest of my family and I need to go away to be with God for the good of my family. I need to have some time and space of silence, not to say, get out of my way so I can be with Jesus, but to actually create space where I can say, well, I'm better for you guys. I'm better for everyone I know if I find that space. I think, you know, the only thing that I could possibly offer here is to, to find these boundaries is to give ourselves away completely to our Heavenly Father, to, to trust Him to care for us deeply, to trust Him as that most important relationship, and then to help you know, to, to pray and to seek that he would teach us how to be who we need to be for the other people in our lives. And, and, and hopefully we can find some balance in all of that. Uh, is there a podcast recording of this series so we can listen again? Absolutely there is. Thank you for asking that question. Uh, Risen Church RVA. If you search Risen Church RVA, wherever podcasts are, and if you don't have podcasts at all, you can actually still stream them uh, from our website. I can give you a link for that. It's not actually tied to our website, but I can give you an, a link. If uh, I'll text you the link on back to this number here in a couple of minutes when I can, but you can always listen to our podcast. It's super helpful uh, to anyone to subscribe to our podcast. That's a useful thing for us to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, not only do we do a podcast, we also do a 10 or 15 minute version of the sermon on a video, like literally talking to um, a lens that can be shared on social media every week uh, as a way of kind of recapping the message a little bit and something that you can share. If there was something that we said, hopefully the best parts of what we said in the sermon end up in that and you can be like oh yeah I wanted to share this with my friends I thought they might find it encouraging we, we make that happen um, there <laughs> all right the final the final question this is a great place for us to to end Sorry, I lost myself a little bit here. 
<laughs> All right, I'll give you one more question. Then I'd like to pray for you and, and close out. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for, for texting in questions today. I hope this message is helpful. I hope it's a conversation starter. I know, you know, some maybe if you've been around church a lot in your life, you're like, why don't we do the, uh, like, play some music that makes me feel emotional and makes you sound real spiritual at the end and have, like, an altar call. And, you know, we might do that sometimes. This particular message series, I just felt like it was best that we end on a high note, that we end conversationally, and that we end somewhat open-endedly so that I'm not having the last word, so that hopefully what's happening here is we're starting a conversation, so that hopefully you walk out of here and you're like, it didn't even feel like it ended. No, it didn't. So go to lunch and let's talk about it. Let's, let's find ways to, to apply this and to the relationship that matter the most to us. But really important question that came in last year, uh, what is the prayer that I need to pray for the hair growing thing? Uh, is that, that is a prayer that will... It's called, it's called the, the follicle... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can look around the room to see who these these texts are anonymous, kind of. Um, <laughs> what is the hair growth prayer? Uh, <laughs> oh man. Well, let me uh, let me pause for a moment. Let's pray together. If you're if you're with somebody that you care about deeply, if you're if you're close to a friend there, maybe you could put your arm around them. You don't have to do that. I went to an event this past week, and uh, the guy speaking actually said, why don't you take the hand of the person next to you, put your arm around them. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, oh, I ask people to do that all the time. And I, like, um, and I was sitting next to one of my best friends. I was sitting next to Randy. He's one of my best friends. I'm like, I'm not doing that. You can't tell me what to do. You think you've got a microphone? You want to tell me what to do? Um, uh, so you don't have to do that, but I do want to pray over us. And then uh, please make sure that you're inviting somebody next week. We start this conversation about... Um, it's not a conversation about politics. It's a, it's a conversation about Jesus. It really is about how to love each other well, even when we disagree. Uh, and I think there's going to be some beautiful things to come out of it. So please make, make your plans, um, if you can, to be here in March. And I know that we have, we have a schedule. You know, a lot of us are kind of like, well, I travel some weekends. I'm not available some weekends. It doesn't work some weeks. Well, that's why we do it every week, right? So you miss one, you come back the next. It's all right. We're, uh, we're here and we're still family. Even when you're not here with us, we still want to be in your life. Uh, but it's always a great thing when we get to celebrate together on Sunday morning. Let me pray for you, though. Heavenly Father. Thank you, God, for your, um, thank you for your word today. I pray that it was spoken clearly. I pray that we all can just experience something profound um, from this, that every one of us would walk out with a challenge today. And even in the, the areas of this message where I know it's not, we didn't exactly give steps A, B, and C, go home and do this. We did, that, that's not, because I don't think steps A, B, and C are the same for every one of us in the room. I think, I think the one thing we can center in on, God, is that, that giving ourselves away to you is a safe, a safe bet. That we are never safer, that we are never um, more truly ourselves than when we, when we have given ourselves to you completely. That you don't take us and, and turn us into something we don't want to be, that you actually take us and turn us into the very thing that we always hoped we could be. That you make us our best selves. You, you make us stronger. You encourage us. You make us more loving. You make us more kind. You make us more disciplined. You make us more present. God, all the things that we hope to be and that we think sometimes that our relationships maybe could, could push us in that direction. Maybe we think we could push the people that we care about in the right direction. Father, that you actually can. You actually can empower us to become exactly who we want to be. 
Father, I pray that we would have the courage to do that and that we would truly devote ourselves to you. And times in prayer, times alone with you, that we would be a people who, who aren't afraid of silence, that we would be okay with just kind of being in the space with you and just, just listening. People who are about your word and, and would want to know who Jesus is more and more, that we would want to find the challenging things that Jesus teaches and the challenging things that he models and, and the things that we look at and we say, I'm not like that. I'm just not. I don't see it that way. I just don't. That we would slowly surrender ourselves to them and that you would help us to do it. Father, I pray for marriages, for, for family relationships, sons and daughters. God, I pray for anybody in the room who has um, anyone that they care about who maybe is going through something difficult right now, maybe something physical or maybe something emotional. God, we all have people that we care about deeply, and it hurts us to see them suffer. I pray that you would show up in those moments for them, that you would show up and you would heal, you would restore, you would give people peace. Father, that you would use the people in this room to help the people who aren't in this room that they care about that we would go out of here the best version of ourselves for them to. God, we love you. We give you all praise and glory and honor in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for being here today, Risen Church. You have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next week.